and welcome to a very special episode of the GoCast podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm joined by Kyle. Hiya. We're joined today by our very special guest. This has been around eight months in the making. Uh, Liz George, who is the global community manager for Pokemon Go. Hi, Liz. How's it going? Hello, it's going great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to finally be here. Yes, thank you so much for persevering through the approval process of getting you here. Yes, uh, of course. I was a little bit nervous. Yeah. <laughs> we talked on Twitter about eight months ago, and ever since then, it's been kind of like uh, every couple of months, it's like, hey, uh, didn't <laughs> yes. uh, oh just hang tight. And we hung tight, and you came through, and that's so cool. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. I like to give updates because it's like no update is still an update. So it's like, hey, you know, just wanted to let you know, like the summer's kind of crazy. I don't know if you've noticed we're waiting on certain things to go through. So thank you for uh, hanging in there with me. Oh, absolutely. It's it's our pleasure. Trust me. So that being said, we, we went through, you know, your name and your title and stuff. But who are you? As a person, who is Liz George? Uh, you know, maybe Niantic, Pokemon Go aside, like, who are you? Well, you said my name's Liz, so <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm a bit of a gamer. I'm kind of a nerd. I love Pokemon, clearly. It's a little bit of a problem. But, you know, I'm just a friendly person, likes to play Pokemon Go, hang out with my dog, watch a lot of YouTube, a lot of YouTube. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, so, like, just your run-of-the-mill kind of friendly neighborhood Pokemon nerd. Awesome. Okay. So then what about Pokemon in particular? Do you love so much for you to, you know, be so enthusiastic about a job that revolves around Pokemon? For me, I like the games that allow you to have a repetitive grind, um, like things like Animal Crossing and, you know, The Sims or anything that's requiring that kind of gameplay. Like those are the things that I always navigate towards, like Monster Hunter World. Like I've spent so many hours in that and I'm playing Iceborne and I I need to get back because I don't have all of my insect glaives yet. Oh but my. I, yeah, no, I'm very deep into Foster <laughs> <laughs> So I like those games that I can kind of just disconnect from everything around me and go into like these kind of wholesome little worlds, like, like I said, with Animal Crossing. But with Pokemon in particular, I really enjoy the amount of detail that's put into things, especially with like Pokedex entries. Like you can read these crazy little facts about these Pokemon and come pull out as much personality and interpret it any way you want to interpret it. And it's that attention to detail that's always kind of fascinated me. And then, of course, you know, they're cute. Like, come on. Yeah, can't argue with that. I mean, I think that's that's usually the gateway for most people. I don't think somebody looks at a Pokemon and is like, well, that is really just really cool. I think the first thing that captures somebody's heart is always... I love this thing. I want to protect it. This is, yeah. you know, like awesome. We all want to. We all want to give Giratina altered form a big hug, right? It's true. Yeah. Why not though? I think why not? the spikes. Because of the might, spikes. Yeah. That's uh... a. <laughs> <laughs> Look, roses have their thorns. That doesn't make them not beautiful, yeah, Kyle. Don't love the spikes. Like, don't hug those parts. Like, hug the hug the other parts. I don't yeah, know. There you go. Uh... <laughs> Maybe you should ask Giratina if it wants to be hugged. First. Yeah, let's get Giratina's opinion on this first. Absolutely. Yes. Like I was saying, like with the detail, like one of the reasons why I love Alola so much is because they added so many unique details, especially to some of the original like 151, like Raichu. Like Alolan Raichu is by far one of my favorite Pokemon because it uses its psychic ability to levitate its tail and then it stands on it. Like it's not that they just said, oh, it floats. 
like they actually went through the process of thinking, okay, how would a lowland right shoe float? And like those little details are like what sucks me in. And then I'm like, oh my God, you're adorable. I love you. Yeah. A lowland right shoe is one of the cases where like the design just really shines, you know, it, mm-hmm. they, and they, it had to be awesome because they couldn't do right you wrong right right yeah so it that's awesome so before we dig into the pokemon go niantic perspective of you liz george i do want to know where you're coming from in the history of pokemon like did you start when you were you know younger did did you start with the game boy games you know where'd you where'd pokemon come in in your life well growing up in florida i have three older brothers so i was always around gaming but my dad is a chimney sweep. So it wasn't like we had like tons of consoles or things like that. Like we would have one console. So like having a handheld to play something like Pokemon wasn't ever anything I had or could get my hands on type of thing. So I like, I watched from afar with a lot of like the actual like gameplay and like the trading cards, but like the anime was everywhere. Like growing up during that time frame, like it was it was like it is now. Like it's like that resurgence, like where it's just was Pokemon everywhere and you saw the anime, you saw Ash, you saw Pikachu. And so like that was my introduction into the whole world of Pokemon. And then we did have an N sixty four. The first game that I was actually able to play myself was Hey You Pikachu. Oh wow. Oh man. So I was on the wait yeah, I was on the wait list at Blockbuster to rent it. So I eventually was able to like get the game. The game didn't work by the time I actually rented it. So that was a very sad time in my life. But like those were the first ways like (laughs) I was able to like actually play Pokemon myself, not somebody else's Game Boy or somebody else's save. It took a while for me to finally actually get my hands on something. And I actually ended up playing Yellow. So uh, that was probably my first real, real Pokemon was, was Yellow. Okay. Do you have a particular generation that just like captured your heart more than another one? I think there's always the classicness of Kanto, but for me, I think Aloha is what made me like fall in love again with Pokemon. Sure. So I, I really just enjoy the characters and the art and the the new Pokemon they're introducing. They did a really fantastic job naming them in the localization. So I really enjoyed just like experiencing all of that pokemon goodness again when i finally got to alola oh yeah i mean i think the narrative building and the world exploration in sun and moon series especially ultra sun and ultra moon as well it just it felt like a living breathing poke world you know mm-hmm. and that's just, it's hard to not get sucked into that sort of thing especially when you already have all the neural pathways from a child you know deep in the middle of your brain from <laughs> like i love this this is my favorite thing ever you know <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So yeah, going through and playing like all the older games and then going to Alola, it was just like, okay, this is what I always wanted Pokemon to become. And so it was really cool to see that. That's awesome. Okay, so let's let's circle back. Now that we know about you, Liz, as a Pokemon uh, fan, as a gamer and such, let's talk about uh, your role at Niantic as Pokemon Go's uh, community manager. What does that mean? What do, you, what do you do? What are your responsibilities? That means a lot. And unfortunately, community <laughs> management is not something that is a long-term like industry title. Like Community management really started getting developed, you know, 10 or so years ago with it being kind of like its own role. Um, I've always seen community manager stuff like tacked on to other parts of roles, like for like a social media person or an ops person or support person, it was never like its own thing. And so 
the community manager for every company, every game is completely different from a community manager like that I would be at Niantic or with Pokemon Go. So I think a lot of people have assumptions of what my job is, but there's a lot of things that I do end up doing. And one of the biggest things is being the voice of the community, being that representation, like in the meetings, being able to you know provide feedback, but also like provide that feedback early on in processes being like, okay, you know, option A is, will definitely be received better than option B and so on. And then also providing that feedback and that after things are released, okay, like this is how it's happening. Here's a 24 hour recheck. Like it is constantly being on Reddit and Twitter and Facebook and reading like social listening is like such a huge part of my job. And it's like, I wish I could reply to every single message I've ever read ever, but I would never have the time to do that. So it's just thousands upon thousands of Twitter posts and, you know, Reddit threads and things like that, that I go through and I read all of this stuff and digest it and have to translate it back to all of our cross-functional teams uh, that work on the game. So that's a huge part of what I do is that constant cycle of feedback and guidance. But then I also help lead the marketing team, kick off projects, lead marketing campaigns. And so it's a lot of project management, a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that I never get to talk about or share or even like boast about later of like, oh, this is something I I got to work on. So there's a lot of that. And then, you know, people management and working with cross-functional teams and talking to all the different products. And then also being a Niantic employee, there's a lot that goes on being a Niantic employee. And then Recently started really getting into the narrative of the game and really diving into that kind of communications, not just marketing communications. So I have a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of stuff across the board that all kind of works together, but maybe community manager isn't the best title. I don't know, but I feel like it works and I love what I do. So sure. I mean, I think it kind of gets the point across to people that might not understand the, the role. Uh, from like a player perspective, if they just like heard about you for the first time or they see one of your posts online, they say, oh, global community manager. That means that she's got, you know, her finger on the pulse. This is the sort of person that is, you know, the ear in the social sphere. That that being said, one thing I, I do keep seeing and you handle it so well on social media is like people come at you like your support. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I've seen you make a couple of posts. You're like, here's the resources, please. I'm so sorry. I'm not available to help you on these things, but here's where you can go. Like, how do you navigate that? That's so interesting. Well, I think a lot of times people think because my job is community manager that like my personal Twitter account is the place to talk to me. And it's like, that's my personal life. But like, I'm not going to hide what my job is while I'm on Twitter. I'm not going to hide who I am while interacting with people. But oh, it's it's also like, you know, Sunday at, a, at 8 p.m. and somebody's saying I'm blocked from my account. I'm sitting on my couch. I'm at home. So like, <laughs> that's why I, you know, I always am more than happy to redirect people because like, they don't know, and they need help. And so they reach out just like I would if somebody replied to something I was talking on, and I didn't work there. I'd be like, Hey, have you tried reaching out to support? Have you checked the known issues page? There's lots of things that happen that like, I can at least direct them to so they can get assistance from that team. I have no idea why certain things happen or why like technical issues happen with certain types of phones, with certain types of people. And it's like, that is not my world. Like that is tech support and that's what they do best. And that's what I have to pass that on to the people who that is their job. 
So yeah. I try to, yeah, if I can help and redirect or provide information, cool. Like if they're like, hey, like did the event start? Well, here's a link to the blog. Like I'm more than happy to share as much as I can, but I, I am not one-on-one tech support, unfortunately, or fortunately, but yeah, my, my, <laughs> fortunately, you know, that's, for, that's yeah. the correct yeah. answer. Like I, I totally hear it and I know how frustrating it is when things don't work or if like things are not as you want it to be experienced as playing the game, but tech supports the people that actually can support you in getting that fixed far faster than I could if I've ever tried. <laughs> sure. Sure. Now that we have more of an understanding of what your role as a community manager is, what do you think your biggest focus is right now in your role? Uh, So I have a lot of focuses. I want to figure out better ways to report things back and streamline things. I always look for efficiencies in that way. So a lot of my goals are based on providing that feedback to the appropriate teams in digestible pieces. So what kind of feedback might work for one department might not work for another. So really trying to understand how to get things to the right places as quickly as possible and provide that feedback. But then also really trying to create content on our marketing channels that our our trainers actually like and will enjoy. So like community management is not just about tech support issues or problems that are happening, but it's also like about creating stuff that you guys actually enjoy doing. So talking about events and designing events together and thinking about what kind of bonuses might be fun and how those bonuses impact other bonuses that we want to do for other events. And it's this big, huge puzzle that we like to try and fit together of like trying to balance things out and make something fun for every trainer, not just every, like every trainer is different. So we try to like touch each point of those things as we design events. So it's about creating stuff that people actually want to play and, learning from it if they do and if they don't and taking that feedback and applying it to the next time we do it. So you mentioned that there's different types of trainers and stuff like that internally or even just personally, do you guys have like different demographics of the type of trainer when you're talking about like, you know, different approaches to play? Like we always talk about like, you know, raiders and people that are shiny hunters and people, you know, that are grinders and stuff like that. That's kind of the the street lingo that we've made up for these different types of play. (laughs) I'm curious if you guys have like any sort of way to refer to those specific play styles? For me, I think it's, I don't think we, we have them like classified as like technically of like, this is a battler, but like, uh-huh. I look at it as like, you do have like your collectors, you have your trainer battle, your PVPers, your hardcore, like competitive people. You have your ghost snapshot users who make amazing AR photography. You have your very casual players who, you know, might log in each day and get their bonuses and, you know, may catch a few Pokemon, but like aren't on a particular grind. You have your grind to 40, your grind to 40 times six, your Stardust grind, your candy grind, your trying to find perfect IVs. Like everybody has something that they want to do in the game. And so like when you think about an event, you want to make sure that some of those get touched. And if they don't get touched, are they touched in another event? Like you have to make sure that those are balanced. So something there's something for everybody uh, coming up in an event. Very cool. It's nice to to hear about that balanced approach because it's one of the things I think that players, from my perspective, we kind of just t- take <laughs> for granted. It's like, oh, this doesn't seem like it benefits me particularly or whatever. Like, so this is a, you know, a- event that I disagree with. And then you have to like kind of bring it back. Like, actually, this benefits literally all of my friends. 
know, <laughs> just not me. Yeah, and there's always their vocal minorities that like Reddit group, you have your Twitter group, you have your Facebook group, but then you have people who never say anything. And so it's like you have to look at it from a global perspective, like what a, a player might enjoy in Japan might not be something that they enjoy here. So like there's an entire global audience that you have to account for. Not every event and not everything is going to be for you, but there is going to be something for you and we hope you like it. <laughs> okay, so now that we know what you're what you're going for, I'm, I'm kind of curious what your highlights have been for the last 18 months because that's how long you've been in the role. Uh, so, yeah. you, know, you know, given the framework you just gave us, right? So, you know, you're focusing on uh, like trying to include all the players and stuff like that. Make sure that there's things that are fun for everybody to enjoy. So maybe from like uh, first highlight be from a, a game perspective, what's something you're really proud of that you've done the last 18 months or maybe a couple of things game related? Sure. Um, most recently, I think I'm really super proud of the Team Go Rocket launch and the grunts. I think we created a really fun narrative and I really think that my social media manager, Errol, he's amazing. And then we have our writer, Lynn, and one of our product marketing managers, Veronica, we've all worked so closely on creating like this fun takeover and being able to write that dialogue from the perspective of a team go rocket grunt. (laughs) I think Errol was in heaven. He loved it so much. We all had a lot of fun doing that too, because it was such a huge departure from what we normally get to do on the Pokemon Go channels. So like that was something that we're really proud of. And we think was a lot of fun having them go around the world and being able to time the tweets for when the actual takeover happened in those countries and having art that represented that country like that whole campaign was just so much fun and so many fun details we got to do so i think most recently that's probably one of the coolest things we got to do as pokemon go so all the stuff of the team rocket grunts in new york like running around that photo shoot and stuff that was on instagram that was all you guys yep oh i love that 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 was was awesome good it's so team rocket (laughs) one of the the cool things is is like i with the ads that we had up before everything was taken over, everybody was like, oh, skyrocket and become a Pokemon Go trainer. And everybody's like, what is this about? Like, okay, Pokemon Go is putting an ad out. And we're all like, like sitting there like waiting because then they went and they quote unquote vandalized the ads and they crossed out all of the other words and it said Team Go Rocket. And so like, it was so cool to see like the reactions on social from this thing that we got to plan out. So yeah, no, that's our marketing team. That like, these are our ideas that we work together and create and try and create these like really cool experiences, even through social and through the game. That's really cool. Uh, outside of the game though, what about you personally? Have you uh, like achieved any, any personal goals since you've been in role for 18 months? Well, working on a video game has been a huge goal of my entire life. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I mean, I've worked on other games before, but working on a game that I actually play and enjoy, like that is a dream of a lot of people in the game industry. And sometimes that never comes true. So for me to be able to say I work on something that's Pokemon related, that's insane. Like, are you guys sure? Do you, you want to reconsider this? <laughs> like, um, like, hi, <laughs> like, but it's honestly like that never leaves me the most like some of the moments that I'm sitting there going oh my gosh I'm in this meeting like how am I in this meeting am I actually hearing this this is something that's happening like that was a lot of the feelings for Meltan when Meltan came out in the game 
And I'm just like, wait, excuse me? Wait, wait, hold on. I have more questions. Please tell me everything about this game coming out. <laughs> and so, you know, that was really early on when I started too. And so it was just like this mind blowing moment. And then like coming home and like looking at my fiance, it's like, I have so much to tell you, but I can't. Oh my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> right, right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard keeping those secrets, but I'm very proud of myself. I do. So going on that record I don't break my secrets but like having that just sitting in that room and deciding how a Pokemon is revealed to the world is it's mind-boggling it's crazy yeah that sounds that sounds incredible Uh, quite the dream come true especially for a Pokemon fan yeah and like sometimes I have to like remind myself like I like I'll get down on myself like oh I didn't get as much done today as I wanted to and feeling really bad about it and then I like look down I'm like oh yeah I get to work on this that's not it's not so bad so definitely yeah. <laughs> so what about professionally? Is there something you mentioned that you were like, I cannot believe that I'm on this call right now hearing about stuff. What is something <laughs> that you've done professionally that you just cannot believe that you were able to do? <laughs> That's a loaded question. I oh think my. just professionally, I think I'm so incredibly grateful that I've been able to grow so much professionally and learn so much and expand on my industry background and be able to say, you know, I've run these campaigns. I was responsible for these things. I was able to touch these things. It's such a huge boost in self-confidence and it's, wow, my, like my resume is starting to look really amazing. Like that's so fulfilling because it's something that I've been driving towards for so long and something I've worked towards and, you know, put in the blood, sweat and tears of working two jobs. And I went and got my master's degree accelerated, you know, so I was taking, you know, a, a class, a, a full semester class in one month. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I earned my master's in about a year because I took it accelerated um, while working, you know, a full-time job. And so it's very gratifying to see like being able to finally list out things that I'm really, really proud of. And I love that I've been able to do because of being able to be in this job. That's incredible. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned before uh, is that you, you gave a presentation on Bidoof. <laughs> yes, I did. That was a am I actually doing this standing in front of the company moment? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I, we did something last year. It was a Badoof appreciation day. And the moment I was like, we should do this. We should pick a Pokemon, like a fan favorite, you know, let's show some love for Badoof because I, you know, I love Badoof and I love like the background on why Badoof is such a, like a legend and all the memes that are around Badoof are just always, I mean, how do you not love Badoof? So Badoof is kind of a meme in and of itself. And so all of our like communications and everything obviously have to go through an approval process. And so Ariel and I were talking back and forth about, okay, how how are we going to do Pokemon Appreciation Day? Like we want to let them pick one. Maybe they can vote on them. And then we're like, well, that means that we have to create as many appreciation days for the ones that the trainers could possibly vote on. And we're like, whoa, that's a lot of work ahead of time. And I said, why don't we just make all of the vote options Bidoof? And Errol looked at me (laughs) and I looked at him and we're like, this is what we're doing. (laughs) And so like, if you go back to the tweet, like all of the options are Bidoof. And then it's like, we heard you loud and clear trainers. You got it. And it was just like the best, (laughs) the best moment for us. Cause like, we love having fun like that and being able to, you know, be a little bit more silly. But obviously, it was a pretty popular post. And so every week, we have a really cool meeting, it's called TGIF. But it's a company wide meeting where like, we all get to call in and uh, john talks to us every week. 
John's in the office. John walks around. Like I love being able to see him and interact with him and talk with him and say hello when I walk by. And we all kind of just talk about like what's going on at Niantic and like teams share what's going on. And so I got to present Badoof Day in front of the entire company. And I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> so to uh, to universal acclaim, I'm sure everybody loved it, right? Yeah, everybody loved it, of course. But it's just it was like, oh, I get to stand in front of a company and present this. Why this is a meme, and this is why we decided to do something about it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> oh, uh, for those that are listening that don't know, I'll, oh, I don't know how they couldn't. When you when you mean John, you mean John Hankey? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. John yes. Hankey. Yes. Sir John Hankey. Sir John yes. Hankey. He's a, a lovely <laughs> okay. individual and he's super awesome. And I walked past him the other day because we had a different part of the office. And I was like, oh, nice place, John. And I just walk and he just kind of laughs. He's like, yeah, you too. Because technically it's my office too. And I walked by and I was like, why did I say that? Why do I make these dumb jokes to John? <laughs> No, had the had the right quip back, you know. Like, yeah, but funny. like he's just a person at the end of the day. But it's also like, why do I say True. these stupid things? Why do I make <laughs> stupid jokes? And so, like, so I just end up turning and looking at Veronica, and she's just laughing. But to your point about how, like, the the character of of John Hankey, I got a really good impression of him very early on as somebody that didn't really know much about Niantic before, because Pokemon Go is my first Niantic title. And um, I went to the first GoFest and there were a lot of issues, right, that ran into and there was a lot of like PR and and damage control and stuff. And one of the coolest things was that John Hinkie was literally just standing in front of the stage and just talking to people the entire time. Everybody was mad. You know, there was a there was a sense of <laughs> of friction and he just stood there and just had conversations with everybody and just was like, this is what I this is what I got to do. Like, I'm so sorry, but like, let's let's talk and stuff. And that was just so cool to see. It's funny that you say that because I was watching what was happening from afar because I wasn't working there yet. I was still at an, a previous job and I remember watching that and seeing like the pictures and like the news coverage of everything and seeing like I think there's a picture of him like sitting on the edge of the stage with all of these people coming up and talking to him. And I was like, "Wow. Wow, like that's ownership. That's to me that's leadership." Yeah, I get that yeah. there's there's stuff that's going on. Like I said before, I was not working there at the time. So I, I'm commenting it mm. as someone that was a player and watching from afar. And I was like, oh, man, like, yeah, gosh, like, that sucks. And you're watching it and you just see him just own it. And I was like, wow, that made me go, that's a leader. That's someone I actually really, really, truly respect. Because you could see any other company maybe not sending anybody out there or sending somebody from PR or even like an event manager or somebody. No, it was John. And like that really impressed me. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos to him on so many different levels. Speaking of seeing GoFest from the outside two years ago, we had several GoFest happen in the past year. And I'm sure a lot of people are dying to know what it's like from your perspective now inside when you're working or experiencing a GoFest? Yeah, it's pretty amazing because I was at the second GoFest, the, the revenge of GoFest, essentially, um, <laughs> in, Link in Lincoln Park. And GoFest for me is very, 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 very busy. It is a um, super... Not, I, I don't want to say stressful, but it's it, it, can, it can be stressful. It's a big event, and there's a lot of 
a lot of switches that have to be hit and a lot of coordination and a lot of fingers crossed. And it's, it's fun to watch definitely, but it is at the end of the day, like you go kind of into work mode because like we're all there at a certain time each morning, you know, we do all of our tests and checks like the week before. For my very first GoFest, I was actually out there like a week early and I actually played um, Squirtle Community Day with the downtown Chicago Discord. And that Oh yeah, DTC. DTC, yes. they are amazing yeah. and wonderful and yes, super warm and welcoming. And I was out there with them talking for hours. Like I would have people come right up to me and go, hey, do you guys even have a QA team? And I was like, boy, do we. And <laughs> like, like, wait. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. So like I would say, I would talk and like people would share their feedback and their experience of community day with having yeah. a lot of people pooling in different areas and just a wonderful, wonderful group. And I always love going back to Chicago because they are always there with open arms and so I was able to be out there pretty early and like watch everything get built up and going and doing like the site checks and, uh, you know, getting the war room set up. It's a really cool experience. It's very busy for us, though. It's early mornings and late nights. And the longer they get, uh, for example, Yokohama was seven days. So I flew out on a Saturday or on a Sunday, which is technically Monday time for Japan. So I got there and I landed and I had like a night's sleep and then I worked seven days straight. So like it's, it's, oh my. yeah. And then, Yikes. yeah. And then that went over the weekend and then I went to Tokyo to work at Niantic and then at TPC for the remainder of the week. So it was like something stupid, like 19 days or something working straight, but they're, oh my goodness. they're really busy days. So like once we get in the morning and we're all sitting there waiting, like, okay, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it to like flip the switch to turn <laughs> everything on? And then, you know, monitoring everything, making sure like, okay, are Pokemon appearing in this area or like are people checking in or is there any issues? And that's just like the game side. And then there's the whole event side of like, okay, is there water in the tents? Is there toilet paper in the porta potties? Like all of those million things that have to happen too. So sure. it's a whirlwind, but I remember my very first GoFest and everything was working. I was in the glacial habitat and it was snowing and I just started crying because <laughs> I was just like, it's working, everybody's happy. And so it was just, it was a really yeah. emotional for me. Yeah, GoFest is insane. In particular, though, I'm, I'm kind of curious because we were there our play day for Chicago this past year because we're from Chicago. So like all the kind things you said about DTC, like they're they're wonderful. Every single time we interact with that group, they're just top notch folks. But we were there on Saturday, the day that got rained out for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting we were sitting in the press tent and we saw you roll up in a cart with like all the YouTubers who were just about to go to a signing event or whatnot mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I'm not sure much, uh, how much we can ask about this, but you know, how did, how was like that particular situation, like navigating the weather? Like, <laughs> what did you like? What, what are the fail safes and stuff? I'm just curious about like, the, I, don't, I guess the logistics of it. Well, I can say that development has not started on the power for us to control weather. It has not, we're, <laughs> it's not on the roadmap currently. Um, but what if we all report it as inaccurate um, in the app? <laughs> Does that work? <laughs> but no, unfortunately, with weather stuff, it's so unpredictable. And me being from Florida, I come from hurricane land. So like, I'm used to this stuff being like, okay, oh, no, something's happening. Oh, wait, no. So it's all about making sure that 
we monitor the situation and we are very lucky. Um, we, we had messaging going out that we were talking with the city of Chicago and the police department. All of those relationships are obviously established if you have an event in the city. So we stayed in very close contact. And when you're advised by a law enforcement body to do something, you do it. So that's what we end up doing. So we do have processes on the back end to discuss like, okay, you know, is it an hour impacted, two hours impacted, three hours impacted? And you have your PIGO leads, you know, all around a table discussing Mm -hmm. things and making decisions and trying to figure out what's the best course of action. Because what ends up happening is you guys got a reschedule, right? Yes, we did. And it was wonderful. Right. But that's still us having to get back, having to do that work. So like we all have to think into, okay, how does this impact the team? Do we have the bandwidth to do this? Like, is this even possible for us to do this? And so there's a lot of things that we have to consider. But I really feel like working with the city of Chicago, our event team is amazing and really guided us through this whole thing. I'm really proud of us. Like we got message out quickly and clearly and precisely. We evacuated the park as advised by the police department. And, you know, we were able to let people back in as soon as we got clearance. And I think we did a good job of it. It's unfortunate that it rained, but I think we did a great job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I was going to say that I think you guys handled it perfectly well. I mean, there's nothing you can really do about the weather, but we went and like pretty much everybody just kind of went like into the city and we did some raids and stuff there for a couple of hours and then waited out the rain in like cafes. And then as soon as the green light was back, we all came back and finished out the day. And I I can't imagine it going smoother than it did. Mm -hmm. And we have to like make sure everybody's safe. And so like that's probably why you saw me with the YouTubers on that golf cart. It was like, okay, well, you're technically supposed to be in these tents in the middle of the field let's get you somewhere that's not in the middle of the field (laughs) right exactly yes okay cool so speaking of the youtubers i know that you've been working with them a lot like the summer tour squad like those videos from from last summer and then uh, i'm assuming you had also a heavy hand in what happened this summer so what has been your biggest takeaway from working with the youtubers during the summer events Uh, whether it's summer tour squad those those fun challenge videos like what's it what's it like you know what did you learn from that whole experience well the summer videos the travel tour was my first project assigned to me like week two at niantic oh my Um, yeah it was handed to me it was like hey so you had orientation last week here here's this and I was like oh cool (laughs) um shoot (laughs) so I I worked on that project Uh, I keep talking about Veronica she's our product marketing manager for Pokemon Go so basically her and I are like the yin and the yang the people you know behind the scenes kind of like the driving force of Pokemon Go the marketing team and then we have our illustrious leader Kento Suga he'll like that Uh, he's ours (laughs) our global marketing lead and he is he's based in Tokyo so like we're the on the ground people at the SF office for like the headquarters and so Veronica and I took that and we ran with it and we created something really fun and cool but that also was really my first introduction to the content creators that were already working with Niantic like that was the first time I got to meet trainer tips and mystic seven and actually talk to these people that I've only seen on YouTube and through research and, you know, just being a general fan and getting to know them is actually really great. They're really cool people. Like when you actually talk to them, the thing that I observed and, you know, they can complain about it is that they're all really shy. Like they say, like they have their video personas, (laughs) but a lot of them are very shy. 
So why do you, why do you think that is? Just because they they're so used to you know having control over the way that they're like perceived like through their content. I don't know. I think maybe people say it's difficult talking to somebody that works at Niantic or somebody who works on Pokemon Go. Like I guess sure. I'm you know I, I can be very intimidating with my sugi voice and pink hair, but um... <laughs> I'm scared. I'm, I'm just scared. I'm scared sitting here. Uh, so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm basically beware. So. <laughs> this has been the most unfriendly interview of my life. Just <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, getting to know them as people and like not just the 15 minutes of curated content has been really awesome. Like I think Mystic 7 and I have had some really great, really deep talks. And a lot of times it happens during transportation. Um, him and I had a great talk on the train between uh, Yokohama and Tokyo. We've had a great talks on backs of golf carts, like we seem to have transportation conversations, apparently. Oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, getting to know them and like even that, like sitting with Zoe in a 15 passenger van while we're waiting to catch a shot because it's raining. We end up talking for two, three hours about everything, about life, about her life, you know, in Australia or my life here in the States. Zoe had never had a s'more before. So I was able to introduce her and reversal to to s'mores in general. Really? Um, yeah. So like for me, I was just like, oh, wow, this is a U.S. thing. Like getting to know them has been really great. And seeing like the passion that they put into this game to make that their full time job is true dedication. People can say what they want and like maybe one of them isn't your style or you don't per like the videos they make and you prefer a different type of style, but you can't deny that they obviously love this game and there's passion there. Oh, 100%. I don't think anybody would watch them if they weren't very passionate. You know, that's one of the things that's like so attractive of like to mention the two that you just talked about, Reversal and Zoe's content in particular, like they they're on, you know? Their full energy, like it's hard to not get sucked in, right? <laughs> well, yeah, like even Holly. Holly's just like, you know, hype in the chat. And like, she's so interactive with everyone in the chat. It's so cool to watch and just... They're, they all have their own unique personalities and their own unique content. And so it's just really cool to watch. Sure. Uh, you did mention culturing Zoe and Reversal with s'mores. And I have to ask, were you lucky enough to earn a waffle from from reversal reversal has brought me waffle on multiple occasions i would like to put oh, that man. out there no <laughs> reversal reversal he's the guy you go to if you want a good bear hug he's the best yeah he's real sweet yeah he's very sweet and i love i love talking with him he is very passionate you know he has an opinion and that's what you subscribe for is to hear what he has to say but yes he has gotten me waffles. uh zoe has brought me things from Australia as well. Um, oh my gosh. Coordinating trades. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my. yeah, but it was fun, like showing them, like, okay, here you toast a marshmallow and then it's like chocolate and graham cracker, like showing them how to properly toast a marshmallow and explaining <laughs> that people want to burn them. I don't know who they are. Uh, They're terrible. I have no idea why this is making me smell so much, but this is just so wholesome. I yeah. love this. And then they, then, you know, they play with Periwinkle, you know, they hang out with her. And so yeah. it's a good time. Oh, Periwinkle's a, a star in and of her own. Yes, she's uh, my, in her own right. My precious puppy. She's the best. <laughs> Shout out to Perry. So, speaking of content creators, the content creator space. Uh, in what ways is Niantic, or I guess Pokemon Go in general, showing support to the growing content creator space? Because I know that it was very, it was very much a YouTuber centric space in the beginning, right? Getting these personalities out there, the game kind of lends itself to the daily vlogging adventure stuff like that but since then 
Uh, you touched on it earlier, but AR photography, the podcast sphere has been blowing up the past couple of years. A lot more YouTubers on the scene. I mean, you name it. Well, my mission like coming in is because like, I inherited some of the relationships that were already established. And so for me, diversity is really important. Having representation from every region and having representation of like a person that you can relate to, be it female or, or even like ethnicity. I want people to feel like there's somebody out there that represents them as their play style or who they are as a person. So for me, it's about expanding not only different types of channels like YouTube and like coming and talking to you, lovely folks like you on the podcast area and being able to talk to people who do different types of content. That's the people I want to talk to as well, because like, you know, Twitter isn't the only source of, you know, entertainment or YouTube isn't the only source of entertainment. Like there's multiple, multiple channels that people get their information from or share their passions on. And so that's, you know, why I'm talking to podcasts, like podcasts are amazing. So Let's start getting more involved with those types of people. So getting to people who digest content in different ways. It's like some people only want to read blogs. Some people only want to get it from Twitter. They only want to get it from YouTube or even podcasts. It's like, okay, what are these channels and where do people want to get this from? So like, that's kind of more of my mission going that route of trying to see where are our trainers interacting? Where, where are they finding their community outside of their local community that they play with? Sure. So kind of like, you know, where, where's the fire of passion congregating and, and how can I help foster it and understand it sort of thing? Right. Definitely. That's so cool. I really like that. Well, that, that makes me feel so much better about you hopping on here with us. So <laughs> thanks again. Uh, but besides, besides all the creator stuff, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested to go back to live events really quick. Sure. Where do you see the future of events like GoFest heading? I can't speak of what the plans for 2020 are, obviously. But I think live events, as you've seen over the past couple of years, they keep growing. We went from, mm-hmm. you know, one go fest and then one go fest that was kind of sandwiched between two safari zones and then three go fests and multiple safari zones. Uh, you know, we just had our first ever safari zone in Canada. We've had so many firsts this year with events, like first safari zone in Latin America. We are finally being able to hit some of these other areas that we wouldn't have been able to go to normally. And then the Niantic 2020 initiative that was a really cool campaign that we were doing where you could actually submit your city if you wanted a Niantic event where you were. And so we saw some amazing submissions that just actually closed recently. So we're really excited to go through those results. And I know the event team is really excited to plan out their next major events for the next couple of years. So it's really cool to see. But like, as you see, we keep growing. Like we added special research, like special research was new for the second go fest. And then, yeah, so like it's, you've seen what we've been doing. Just, just continue to expect more. Like it's, it's really cool to watch. I live for it. I do. I really do. (laughs) I have. Everybody lives for it. And live events are the bread and butter of like my love for this game. Really. I mean, I'm a daily player. Don't get me wrong. The special research and the character building for the team. Every, every little nook and cranny of this game is awesome, but I'd be lying if I didn't admit that the live events are are where I have probably the most fun. I love going to our live events. I love rolling up into a town and being like, 
you play oh hey you play what's up what's up hey we both got the same pikachu shirt yeah we do like it feels so good like when i get off the plane in chicago i know everybody standing there getting their bags is there for the same reasons it's like the best feeling and yeah it doesn't go away especially like what since GoFest was longer this year like people stayed the entire time just to like do all the events after and all the parties everybody was planning and I remember like tweeting out, be like, hey, where's the party? And nobody told me. So I'm just saying. Oh, my. Oh, no. Shade, oh, wow. shade we'll it, y'all. In... <laughs> oh, we'll have to give you an invite to the next podcast. Because that'll be the, it'll be the third annual then. Yeah. And so like it was, it's just so cool to walk around and, you know, I'll see people playing in San Francisco. I see people playing on public transit and like walking around and I'm just like, hee, hee, hee. but like everybody's doing that in <laughs> Chicago. Everybody's playing and it's, it's amazing. It's so like adrenaline building for me like i like that's probably how it's i like get through the events yeah like yeah i get through the events because i'm running on this like high of being around other pokemon go players oh my gosh yeah it's like a convention that never ends but out in the real world and not just one building and it's, i'm getting yeah. paid to be there oh yeah <laughs> that's the best part uh, so i mean you, you can't tell us anything about specific events that are happening in 2020 but did you inadvertently confirm that events are happening in 2020 <laughs> That is the biggest stretch I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I just, I just like, yes. And Gen 12, 2020, yeah, Gen 12 is coming to the game next week. Look, it's not a hot seat on the show. It's more like, a, oh, did somebody sit in this before me? So we see, like. <laughs> We're changing the name to Pokemon Stop. Like I can just give you all of the stuff. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Just, just dish. Yeah. <laughs> But so with 2020 just a stone's throw away, what are you looking forward to most that's coming down, either coming down the pipeline, you know, you professionally, maybe just how you're playing the game? Well, I'm looking forward to a nap, but 2020 (laughs) is, for me, I'm looking forward to just like the unknown of it all, not the Pokemon unknown, but just like the unknown of it all. Like, I think we've done you know, a lot of the things that were like in the original trailers, like, well, you know, with trainer battles and friends and trading and things like that. So many of those things are like the expected stuff. And then like, we rolled out with Ghost Snapshot, like, hey, we're not expecting this for you. Um, so it was like really cool to be able to release something that wasn't necessarily anticipated. So I'm excited for this stuff and, you know, coming in 2020, I'm excited for you guys to see. Obviously, there's three new characters that were revealed from Professor Willow's corrupted files on his computer. You know, Sierra, Cliff, and Arlo. I'm excited for you guys to see what those guys are up to. I'm so excited for Cliff. I oh, have to tell so you, by exciting. the way, like Cliff, I'm just don't don't react. Don't tell me one, or the, one way or the other, but I want him to yeah. just have like a big dorky personality. I want him to just be like a like a cronk. You know, from Emperor's New Dream. <laughs> I want that so bad. Oh, I bad. love Krunk so much. He's the yeah. best. He's the best character. I, like, uh, Cliff, I I am just surprised how well he pulls off such a stylish goatee of a Pokeball. Right? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, how? Like, the, the pixelated uh, stuff. It's my favorite part of his character. Like, how do you so pull nice, that so off? In his like, hat. His little uh, Team Rocket Grunt hat like, on him. Yeah. He's so big. Like, congrats, dude. <laughs> You pulled off something that most people can't pull off. I applaud you. Oh, my. Now I need a picture of somebody in real life with a Pokeball goatee just so we can confirm how ridiculous <laughs> it looks and how well Cliff exactly. pulls it off. Exactly. Like, yeah, there's there's definitely going to be some cosplay. But no, but like I was looking at that and I was looking. I was like, that's a Pokeball. <laughs> and so it was cool. <laughs> 
Like I obviously can't say too much about them, but like I could talk about their appearance and yes, their reveal. and that you think they're neat. Yeah, they're super cool. Yeah. They, have, they, have, they have they have they have R's on them. Like, what could that mean? Wow, I have no idea. <laughs> but these have all been soft questions. I have to ask you hard hitting questions. Oh no, now, the one that everyone needs to answer. What is your favorite Pokemon? Dun dun dun. See, can we? Do it like what's your favorite legendary? What's your favorite ghost type? Like, can we break it down? No, you you you, you got to have number one, and then you can you can list some honorable mentions. Honorable yeah, mentions, or you could do like tied for second place, or yeah. I don't know. Or well, I will stick to my answer because I am a loyal person. Vaporeon, Vaporeon is my favorite, and Vaporeon probably solidified favorite status because of Pokemon Go. Vaporeon was the first EV evolution I got. And back when the game started, like Vaporeon was pretty good. Like, oh ha ha ha, I got a yeah. I got a yeah. cool Vaporeon, you don't nerd. Like <laughs> like it was a good gym battler. It was strong. Like the you know, definitely maybe more of the stronger ones definitely during the first early days of that. But you know, I still have my very first Vaporeon. It's actually named Periwinkle. Oh uh, that's the one like if I take those snapshots with, like that's that. That Vaporeon is the first one I have, and it's named Periwinkle. Getting Go Snapshot, I was actually very surprised that I got emotional about it because it was like, oh, you know, it's just Go Snapshot. It's going to project a Vaporeon and I can take a picture or whatever. And then, like, I get it on my build, like my account, not like a test build or something like that, like my Lolan Bunny account. And I take it out and I tap Periwinkle, I hit the camera thing, and I was like, it's my baby. There she is. And I was just like, and I was like, you are a grown woman. Stop it. And I was like, it's my baby. So, <laughs> so Vaporeon, definitely my, my favorite. And Aqua Doggo, Sea Pupper, whatever combination of Doggo and water you want to make it. That's usually what I name. I really like Sea Pupper. Yeah. Like, that's a good one. I have Sea Bork as well. <laughs> so, like, I just, like, all my Vaporeons are a derivative of that, like, any kind of Doggo name and water. <laughs> They're like your personal reindeer. Yes, like I got Aqua Popper. <laughs> I oh, I do have Splish Splash Doggo. <laughs> like it's like it does. I name them stupid things. I name all my Pokemon stupid things because I think it's fun. Yeah, that is fun. That's awesome. Uh, but before we wrap up here, do you want to make any honorable mentions too besides Vaporeon? Yeah, favorite legendary Suicune. I talked about a little bit. The other you. water dog. The oh. other water doggo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Poplio comes in there. That's definitely an Aqua Doggo. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Alolan Raichu. I adore Beware. At first, I was like, okay, like that's pretty simple. And then I read what was <laughs> wrong with it. I was like, oh my goodness, it's me. <laughs> and so um, I love Beware. I love Mischievous. Mimikyu. Jellicent. Jellicent is probably my favorite one coming out from Unova. Ghost water type. I definitely go towards like water type Pokemon. So, um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's that's the highlight list, probably. So besides your favorites, we do have a tradition here. We end all of our recordings with goal setting. Kyle and I are off the hook because we just set ours uh, earlier this week, but we need to get one from you. So it, it's a it's a gameplay related goal okay. that um, it could be for any given time you want to set it to. You know, it's a six month goal, a year goal, or a week goal, or whatever. So, what sort of goal would you like to set for yourself in Pokemon Go? big one because like mm-hmm. I feel like I have to not have to like I play consistently in the features but okay 
how about actually maybe being decent at PvP? Being decent at PvP? Yeah, at trainer battles. Okay. Like maybe, okay. like not, that's a, that's not necessarily, goal. like, I obviously can play, I know tight balancing and things like that, but it's something that I'd like to spend more time on. And like, I do, like, I love watching like the Silver Arena stuff and like the little tournaments and like we have local tournaments here on my local Discord, you know, shout outs to them. I'm not telling you where I live, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so hi guys, you're the best. But like, I like to observe and I think I've always observed competitive play and I've always been too shy to get involved. So maybe just maybe getting more confident and feeling better about playing against other people and not feeling like I'm going to be shamed if I lose. Sure. Have you participated in like a, like a, like a group tournament or anything? Um, not an official, like not externally from Niantic, no. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, you guys have done one for Niantic, like internally, just for funsies? A lot of people do, like pretty consistently. Like we play a lot. That's really cool. Yeah. uh, Like our, like when it first came out, we did a huge like PvP tournament. And I know like Errol plays like Sherwin, him and our Sherwin, he does our UA like stuff. And they sit there and they PvP at lunch like almost every day. Um, And so like a lot of people will make their little mini tournaments. And then like some departments have like internal tournaments as well. So like, now, those are the things I will participate in, but, like, as far as, like, feeling not so, like, I just don't feel confident in a competitive way, and so maybe working on that. Okay. Uh, what's, a, what's a time limit for you? How, how long do you want to take until you're you're good at PvP? Well, it's not that I'm bad oh, sorry, at I PvP. think you said decent. Yeah, I'm not bad, okay, okay. and I'm, I'm, I would say I'm decent, but maybe, maybe being more confident in it and being more willing to be in the competitive part of it. All right, in in like two months, I'm gonna send you a text like, "Hey, Liz, are you uh, are you the best there ever was at PvP yet?" Uh, I have to play against the guy who designed it. You want to give me a break, though? <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> so like, so that's actually like a funny story. There, it's like I started playing Smash against my fiance, who used to be like a competitive Soul Calibur player. And I, I went about half the time, and then I went to like an actual place where people were playing in, in a competitive capacity, and I was doing really well. And I was like, wait a minute, did I like skip the whole middle of where I sucked at Smash? <laughs> so, oh, man. Yeah, so like maybe I'm better than I think I am because I've had to play against the people who make it. You got that that game sense going on. It's just a, a natural thing. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? But I think I think everybody thinks they're good at Smash, but they're not. So I will probably have to get tested at that. I think that's I true. know I'm terrible at Smash. I'm pretty because I've seen people who are good at Smash. Oh my, yeah, <laughs> they're not me. I mean, if ten's the best and like maybe three or four is your average player, I would say like I'm probably a four. That's not bad. That's Thank so. That's so like <laughs> humble. That's wow. <laughs> <laughs> the way that people talk about Smash Brothers, they're usually like, I'm a six or a seven, you know, whatever. I could I could do it. And you're just like, I'm a solid four. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a solid four. I, I will say I was probably a six or seven before I moved to California when I had a lot of time to commit to playing. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. So like maybe well, a six first, then. Folks. If you want to stay good at Smash, don't move to California. <laughs> it just does something to your your Smash muscles. Yeah, don't chase your dreams because then you don't have free time. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, that seems like a good a note as any to wrap this up on. Uh, yep, don't chase your dreams, kids. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us, Liz. It was an absolute pleasure to have yeah, you. Yeah, thank you, you so taking much. The time. Oh, and, like, absolutely. Please- I hope you have me back and I'm sad. Like, who am I going to talk to now? This is going to be just me. Like, hey, Perry Winkle, do you want to? 
you want to hear what I did at work yesterday? She's going to be like, God. <laughs> well, we would absolutely love to have you back on. And originally our plan was, and the, the schedule didn't really quite work out for everybody, uh, but we'd love to have you on one of our basic, like normal shows and stuff and just be part of the the conversation. It's, it's a lot of fun. So, Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll have to find, find time. That'll be great. Yeah, totally. I'm down. Okay, awesome. We'll talk about that in a little bit then. Uh, But thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Liz for being here. Kyle, thanks, man. Uh, Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I think Kyle. No, truly, Kyle. Thank you so much for being here. No, thank you. It was was great. Yeah, it was fun. uh, I appreciated it. I had fun, guys. I appreciate it. So did we. Okay, we'll catch you guys uh, next week. And until then, bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.